This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I'm Aaron, joined as always by my good friend, Nate, aka Epitasis. What's up, Nate? And how was the intro this week? Uh, I noticed, I feel like you intentionally infused <laughs> it with, with a bit of growl there. Oh. Um, after after last week, of course, I said that it felt a little bassier. But not necessarily growly. I feel like you brought the growl this week. Um, I don't know that I like the growl, uh, but I did notice it. Uh, so we'll have to throw it out to the listeners and the one guy who always texts me about your this is is now uh, that it's become become a thing. Aaron, have you seen the new Kevin Spacey drop? I haven't, but I'm so excited to hear about it. I saw that it dropped, uh, but I didn't get a chance to watch it yet. So I hope oh, you'll wow. tell me about it. He's uh, what a sacrifice taken for the podcast here. Not watching the new, uh, you know, the yearly tradition of the Kevin Spacey Christmas Eve video. Uh, not particularly funny because uh, it is just basically saying, wow, you know, uh, people have had a hard time this year. Only because I've had a hard time am I able to help the people that come to me with their hard times. Uh, so really putting himself over. Uh, and then he just goes on to say, and a lot of people that have come to me with their problems have, uh, uh, you know, been on the verge of taking their own life. Uh, of course, famously, uh, after Kevin Spacey released his video last year, a number of his accusers committed suicide. Um, and so this year was a suicide prevention PSA. Uh, just, you know, nothing really to sink your teeth into as far as uh, 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 the anity of the thing <laughs> right that he does, but a fully insane surreal uh out of bounds just absurd uh evolution in the ongoing kevin spacey christmas video saga yes he uh is no longer asking us to let him be frank he's no longer killing us with kindness no he's saying go ahead dial that 1-800-XMAS number which is a suicide prevention hotline <laughs> all right uh oh we're also joined by mike what's up buddy hey y'all it's your old pal uh yeah it's weird how now the absolutely absurd kevin spacey clips are one of the big things i look forward to on christmas it used to be you know people staying up for midnight mass watching this is uh, what a wonderful life now society we've gone to point to see uh, what is this absolute creep and weirdo going to do? So <laughs> it's it, it's a real statement of the of my general belief that we all lost our line our minds in the mid nineties. You know, like this is the last evolution of it. I I'm still trying to fi figure out pinpoint the time where I believe that that society has greatly just lost it more so than ever. Don't know if it's either when Princess Diana died or the Monica Lewinsky trial. I think it's one of those two. Could be when American Beauty came out. I mean, if we just want to tie oh. Kevin Spacey into this. 
But this was just addressed on uh, the Comedy Bang Bang that I was listening to this morning, the yearly best of. Uh, Paul F. Tompkins posited that it was uh, immediately after the release of Charlie Bit My Finger. <laughs> you see, I think that's a little late, though. I think Charlie Bit My Finger is a little late because we were wilding out before that. Yeah, but I think it's really the point at which everybody got on the internet. You know, when the internet sure. was the hobbyist thing and for teenagers in their AOL chat rooms, uh, it had not uh, uh, infected and corrupted and debased every part of the human experience. Uh, I guess he was taking the Charlie bit my finger as the point at which basically everything and everyone was just always on the internet at all times. Right. It, the point of inflection. I, I, I get what Paul F. Tompkins was doing there, friend of the show, Paul, Paul F. Tompkins, of course. Paul F. Tompkins famously uh, did voice work on one of the SmackDown versus Raw games uh, as like the tutorial trainer was voiced by Paul F. Tompkins for some reason. Um, actually, I talked to Rachel Millman about this because she uh, was corresponding with him and he apparently hates wrestling, so not actually a friend of the show. Uh, but I would like to get the inside dirt on how a man, one of the funnier people on the planet, uh, came to do the voice work for the SmackDown versus Raw trainer. Well, uh, fans, friends, it's Christmas Eve, and Santa has brought you lots of goodies in the form of this wonderful podcast. And you can get more of our presence over at our Twitter account, at Everything AEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, uh, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on the podcast app of your choice. Uh, give us a five-star rating and review if that podcast app is the Apple Podcast app. Uh, and if you want to support the show, the best way to do so is to head over to patreon.com slash everything elite and give yourself a little Christmas present uh, in the form of uh, bonus audio from your favorite e-boys. Uh, on this episode, in addition to all the normal stuff we do, we're going to run down the EE 2020 awards. We laid out all the nominees on our Patreon. Our patrons voted uh, but we will bring the winners directly to you for free on this episode. Uh, but let's get started with Elite or Delete from a very late night episode of AW Dynamite. Uh, Nate, what was your favorite thing from the show last night? I think the thing that I was most impressed with on this show uh, was basically that both the young up and coming tag teams uh, were both put in very big positions, and I think both uh, asserted themselves really well. You had the opening match, the match meant to hopefully retain some of that NBA audience with MJF and Chris Jericho against Top Flight. Top Flight, who is, you know, a couple of teenagers, basically, who have been in the company for all of, like, two weeks. Uh, and then you had the main event match with the Young Bucks versus the Acclaimed. Um, you know, very easy to imagine how either of these matches could have been much rougher you have you know not that not that either of these teams show that they're like particularly green but they don't have a ton of experience under their belt uh, and i really thought both matches were pretty good and both of those teams showed up uh and showed out in really big spots on this television show so yeah i think that was the, the big bright spot for me here and i would say that the team that impressed me more out of this was top flight because the bucks have plug people into their formula before and it's kind of hidden some of the issues with other tag teams more mainly being private party so i expected the acclaim match with the young bucks for the tag team titles to be a solid match just from knowing like all right the acclaimed are a solid tag team they've really gelled on dark and you put them with the young bucks that's going to be a good match unless 
something disastrous happens. But the, the fact that Top Flight against Chris Jericho and MJF were able to really acquit themselves well on the show was kind of remarkable. And they and, and it was in a way that when you like look at this, like Chris Jericho is older than both these guys combined. And Chris Jericho, as has gone along with uh, Twitter, was not looking in his best shape last night. So I, I came away being really impressed. And it's something that in this tag team division that sometimes has periods of feeling real stale, where it feels like that unless you're in the title program, you're not really doing a whole lot. I felt like that this was a significant step forward for the division coming out of last night's show. Uh, yeah, that's what what I wanted to talk about related to this selection was uh, Chris Jericho. I'll go ahead and drop our listener elite here, Swarles Elite NBA Twitter roasting the shit out of Chris Jericho. Uh, if you saw that going around, there's just like a handful of uh, or a screenshot of a handful of tweets of people being like, "Fuck, Chris Jericho looks awful." You know, people probably hadn't seen him since uh, the '90s or whatever. Uh, so I I guess when I immediately saw like the first thing on TV was Chris Jericho, and I at the time i thought oh that's a good idea but it's like wait am i like brainwashed from watching him every week to not realize how fucking insane he looks and actually <laughs> it's a bad move to be like oh they've got this old ass dude uh who looks awful now as like their main main guy yeah i wondered that also uh mostly catalyzed by this nba twitter screen cap um it's hard to say because we're all not only are we like in a wrestling bubble now but i think Probably every wrestling fan has a relationship with Chris Jericho that is like firmly outside the normal person's understanding of Chris Jericho. Uh, you know, going back to WCW and then like, oh yeah, Chris Jericho jumping to the WWF was like a significant, uh, you know, a, a sign in the WCW versus WWF battle. Uh, you know, this was the place where the young, exciting talents go is to WWF. Um, I'm reminded uh, um, a, a couple of years back when Chris Jericho was doing one of his later WWE runs, a new fan to wrestling. Uh, it was it was Matt V. Brady on Twitter uh, added me and was like, hey, what's the deal with this Chris Jericho guy? Everybody loves him, but I don't fucking get it. <laughs> and I tried to explain the appeal and uh, the significance of Chris Jericho and couldn't really enunciate it it's like well he's he's really funny and he has good matches and uh you know we've put over on this show a bunch of his segments multiple times and uh you know uh, uh, some of his matches and commentary performances uh but i do think coming from the outside you probably uh see a guy who's 25 years older than you remember him being and uh you know hewing closer to that idea of the aging rock and roller more than like the ironic comedic aging rock and roller that wrestling fans kind of accept him as and uh yeah maybe it's maybe it's not coming across as uh fresh and exciting and vivacious as uh, you want the brand to yes uh i agree with all that i, I wonder if I see what they're doing. And someone pointed out like, oh, the first voice you heard was Jim Ross. And the first person you saw was Chris Jericho. And it's like, I don't know. Maybe that's not a turn on to, uh, to people. <laughs> it's yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah. It's like, I saw some of the tweets that are like, oh, this is like new WWE or WWF. Right. Because you have those touchstones. And, and... and the next big thing was Sting on the show, right? 
Right, yeah. And, and I also like see the logic of what they did. I just don't think that they thought out from outside the bubble in a way. And I think that's what it came down to. Yeah, it, it's hard to find the balance because you want some of those things to appeal to people and be like, oh, I remember Sting. I want to see Sting. But you also don't want it to be like, oh, yeah, this is fucking knockoff WWF. Well, you don't want it to be TNA, right? You don't want it to be like... Right. Uh, so, that... I'm, I, you know, and I do... They had Chris Jericho in there with three very young guys, MJF yeah. and Top Flight. So it's like, I, you know, I, I think the idea is in the right place there. It's like, hey, here's the one guy I know, and here's three other exciting young talents. Um, Yeah, just you, you got to find that balance somehow. And it's going to be a different balance for every viewer, too. So who knows? Right. It's not quite like TNA having like fucking Jeff Jarrett as the champion or even later when like Hogan was basically running uh, TNA when it was, you know, long past his prime. They do. I mean, of course, the thing that makes sense is maybe somebody remembers Jericho and then that makes them watch. But then they latch on to these other guys. So I agree, Nate, that I think they're probably going about it the right way. But it uh, does concern you when it's like I don't think about how crazy jericho looks but i guess if you haven't seen him or if you just turn this on it's like wait th- i'm supposed to believe that's like fighting other people oh, it's like, I, yeah, I mean I, he I, looks I, insane yeah he looks insane and we're in whatever correct level of irony to be like it's awesome that he looks so fucking crazy right <laughs> and other people are not going to be on that same level so yeah all right mike what was your favorite thing from last night well nate went off board and took what i was going to talk about first Ooh. so so I'm just going to go with what y'all expect out of me. Pack versus Butcher Oh, Yeah. This match, it, it was such a smart match for like a TV match. Like the idea of like Butcher taking 75% of it and then Pack finally kind of getting it together. Then you have the whole, all the groups kind of getting interplayed and then Pack pens Butcher clean. And then you have uh, Archer and Pack do kind of another like stare down will they, won't they, won't they thing. And it just, it's something that they've been kind of lucky about how this all kind of turned out with like pack being able to be back in the States, especially considering what's going on in the UK. Now the idea of the uh, Lucha brothers, one of them is injured than the other. And then, you know, Eddie Kingston being able to appear on microphone and be genuinely charming with him and Jim Ross while antagonistic towards the rest of the commentary team. And it just kind of like, and they gave this, this, this match, like the big, uh, 11 o'clock the big second hour bridge and i felt like that that was perfect for the kind of thing and i came away of this going like hell yeah butcher like i was going to like this match anyways because packs in it but butcher was awesome in it as well it was a great time we got to see a flying burrito from butcher which is tremendous i mean if someone's going to like call up like manny fernandez i'm going to have a good time so i had a great time with this match yeah i thought it was a really good match uh i don't it feels like it's been forever since we saw the black arrow I don't think he's done it. He was even not doing it for a while. And then yeah. he, he was doing like a, maybe a shooting star press into the brutalizer at some point. Mm-hmm. That's what he did before. Yeah. yeah. So it's, uh, it's pretty crazy that like <laughs> pack who is like one of the top heel performers in the professional wrestling business is like now a de facto baby face because <laughs> of this layoff and coming back and being against Eddie Kingston and his family. Um, but I mean, it works, you know. I, I I love Pac. I love rooting for Pac. I don't care if he's a bastard. He's with my good Lucha friends. So big pop for the Black Arrow. We haven't talked much yet about uh, the Butcher's gear here, which I think 
must be remarked upon. <laughs> hey, talking about looking insane. <laughs> yeah, so he had these like uh, high water uh, black pants on, you know, just below the knee with like a red belt that had sash. a little a sash with a little dangly thing that said butcher uh kicked ass I mean, but it was just like a wild look for him yeah it's like some martial arts adjacent yeah look like oh yeah he's gonna going over to the dojo to throw later real masato yoshino ass tights out of nowhere like it it, it works for him though he should wear those these breeches anyway all i know is he he looked like he felt good about himself when he was wearing them, but it was not confidence for sure it was all Karate Man. Oh. <laughs> Honestly, on that one. like I like to, I like it when I tell a joke and Nate laughs at it. But I like it better when I tell a joke and Nate makes an involuntary <laughs> noise that shows how much he hated it. <laughs> Brings me more joy. I mean, I I do I appreciate that one because there was actually like. A twist to the joke where you didn't just like make the reference out. All, all ego. Remember that? But there was like, no, no, you surprised me with that a little bit. So. <laughs> uh, I am low key sick with it. So no big, no big surprise there. Don't know what that was. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's my turn. Um, I'm just going to go, you know, right down the barrel here. I'm going to say uh, Kenny Omega, my elite pick from last night, the promo that he cut. I just think this is the best wrestling character in pro wrestling period right now he's uh hitting on all cylinders uh don Callis is like really works as part of this act especially you know they're doing the little tna thing about phoenix and he's like hey he's a little injury prone yeah i don't think we want him back uh that's great but it's just like i don't know i'm not sure that if you told me kenny omega was just going to be cutting heel promos that were just like not in his weird character voice just him looking in the camera and doing a promo, I would have assumed it was going to be bad and it's just been excellent. He's, he's wonderful. Yeah. I really enjoy it. Enjoyed his shirt a lot. Um, and I also really enjoy Callis doing this thing where he puts Kenny on a different level than the talent. He's like, Oh, the talent. You're just a fucking wrestler. You don't get to make decisions because we're, we're office over here. Um, and it could, that could be bad. Like there is a, there is a version of it's like, Oh, it's a fucking, you know, corrupt management storyline again. But I guess because Callus is coming from another company, it kind of uh, avoids that pitfall and just makes it fun to me that like Don Callis is out there pretending TNA wouldn't die to have Phoenix or like reducing pack and be like, Oh, he's just talent. That's funny to me. It's just something that this act comes off so well they they pop off the screen not only because they are wearing insane things like don Callis's rose-colored glasses they're just remarkable and then kenny's jacket but the promos and the way that they're doing this is in a way that we haven't really seen from kenny omega that it's not like the overwhelming like super villain character that you saw it's not like the ego it, it is level of the egotism you saw before but it's also very I would argue it's much more rooted in reality than anything else he's really done. So it comes across it comes across like a big champion. Like it's one of those things that seeing him walk around with the title belt appear in other places. I hate throwing like the touring champion comp on it, but we're kind of getting that vibe from him that it's like, oh, Ric Flair is cutting a promo about him coming to uh, Birmingham, Alabama to face hot local upstart here. And you kind of get that vibe from it that it's, 
it's a cult- cultural touch point that would be a bit older than I would say most of like the more casual AEW fans. But it's something that it provides a lot that I think everyone can kind of get behind and get the idea of this is who Kenny Omega now is as a heel champion. It comes across incredibly well. Yeah, it works. Uh, I think it's it, like we were talking about earlier. It's hard to kind of divorce yourself from the bubble, but I'm pretty sure this shtick, if you're at all interested in watching pro wrestling, I think this works. All right, well, let's talk about the things that we didn't like uh, from the show last night. I mean, number one has to be too fucking late. Uh, AB's a- old. This was too no, late. Yeah, that was not a problem. That was uh, I was so tired. Nate, what was uh, your <laughs> least favorite thing from the show? Uh, Abaddon. Boo. That's it. <laughs> I've, I've done I've done my spiel before. You, you know, I don't have anything to add. Just not it's not I don't like it. It's not for me. I think it's bad. The shamed. The the shamed is something that not, now she's eating Hikarashita. Like that's now something that's happened on TV. Uh, yeah, it doesn't seem hygienic. Yeah. <laughs> In, in the day and age and in the year 2020, come on, y'all. You, you, if you have a living dead girl out there, you're going to have to make sure that like they're not going to be biting someone. And that's what happened. Uh, at least we're, it seems like we're going to get the blow off to it relatively soon. So Nate's uh, grown Abaddon thing can, we'll, we'll, we only have, you only have so much longer that you're going to deal with this, I feel like. So. It's easy for me. It makes this part of the show a cakewalk. <laughs> you, you can just lead off and say, yeah, Abaddon still exists. I hate it. Yep. Uh, I mean, the to me, the only real downside here is that they're going to have to have a match eventually. Uh, I feel like that's probably not going to go well. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's bad. Like, I'll give you that, <laughs> that it's bad. But, <laughs> like... The women's division, uh, you know, reached a real point where it's like they don't really care about it. So at least this is funny. Like, I think I can at least take this that. This is like their one. I mean, they're doing the Jade Cargill angle, but this is like the one angle they're doing. It's pretty weak. Oh, it's super weak. But it, this is but it is funny to see her like my favorite part was when Sheeta poked her with the kendo stick, which is just like, you know classic no-no in like a uh horror film you, know, you don't poke the dead person like are they still alive and uh she was she was playing dead and she just attacks Sheeta. it's just bad yeah felt bad for Sheeta there uh mike yeah buddy <laughs> what what did you really dislike from this show well i have a personal quest that you all both know mm. and that is to ensure that Whenever someone searches Spears and AEW on the Google machine or your DuckDuckGo or your Bing, that the one of the first responses you get is this very show, Everything Elite. But sadly, we had another Sean Spears reboot of this like sit-down promo that it's just they're giving time to this guy who has never been over, was only over when he played Home Run Derby with, Cody, with Cody's head. So... I don't, it was just one of those things that, like, I don't need to see Sean Spears on my TV anymore. And the sooner they kind of just drum him out or give him a new gimmick, give him a new name, the better for all of us. I mean, we need those SEO hits. So that whole Sean Spears thing, I can do without. Well, they they did, I guess, halfway, maybe give him a new gimmick or start the road to a new gimmick. I kind of, like, my, my, my inclination on this is just not even address it because it's like, 
Well, it you know was thirty seconds long. I'm fine with giving him thirty seconds of time. Everybody on the roster should get thirty seconds of time if they want it, because uh, I, I like the I like the way the whole show moves when they have those short segments interspersed, and you go from one thing uh, to the next before you get back to your lengthy matches. I think that makes the show feel well paced. Um, but you know, this is not going to go anywhere. I you know I think we're <laughs> probably in agreement that. This newest uh, re-gimmick, this newest repackage for Sean Spears is not going to elevate him to a top guy. It's just, you know, he's going to be in the same space that he's always been, except for the, you know, immediate aftermath of hitting Cody with the chair. So, I don't know. The glove was very stupid, so at least they got rid of that. They're like, it, it's at least an improvement. He said he's going to go away. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know. He, he he just he's he's never going to be a top singles guy. So what whatever. The the thing that's so weird about it is I know he probably doesn't accept this, but like his highest best use was as like the white meat baby face who had the kind of ironic following in NXT where everybody chanted for him when he came out. Like he's he is as like uh, a baby face who is supposed to kind of keep up with you for a little bit and then lose in the end is a competent wrestler in that way. Here's the thing. He's <laughs> he's like a lot better than The Miz and everything, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. He's a pretty good talker. He's just cringe. But if he, like, put it in the right way, he's a pretty good talker. Yeah. Yeah, it is It is kind of funny comparatively. You know, The Miz is, like, my, my go-to comparison point for, like, a guy who's just the absolute shits, but, like, WWE fans think is, like, great. <laughs> Yeah, he's the replacement level WWE wrestler. Yeah, yeah. And Sean Spears is like way better at it. Like Miz, yeah. Miz could never, like his promo in this exact spot would never feel as natural as this Sean Spears one did. Uh, but yeah, you know, this is still not going to go anywhere. So Yeah, it, it's something now that through the 16 months of this, or 18 months of promotion, this is now his fourth rebrand. And that's like a remarkable thing. Like, like, let's take a moment and just think about his timeline. First, we saw him working out and beating up people on top of a parking deck. Then he baseball swung, swung Cody's head. Okay, don't take out that he was in that like lime green sports car or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Right, I, right. he was super sexy rich guy. Super sexy rich guy. Then the chairman of AEW, then Tully Blanchard. Then he got the glove and feuded with Scorpio Sky for whatever reason. We still never know why that was a feud. And now he's, I guess, going back to basics. I mean, Tully seems like he's. He, he seems like he, he said he's leaving. He said, I'll come back when you guys. Yeah. You know, maybe he's just gone. I don't know. Uh, let, let's do this. Can, can we come up with a gimmick that would make Sean Spears work? Ten guy again. Or <laughs> baseball swings. Baseball or head hunting. I mean, guy or head the, the chair thing is definitely the best thing that he's done, but they're not. I, it seems they're not going to do that because people don't want to see the unprotected hair sh- headshots. So, I, I do, frankly. I mean, it would. It's, it's <laughs> it would really be the best thing that he's done. So, <laughs> if they want, it, if they're intent on getting him over, uh, you know what would be a good evolution to that character? What's that? Um, so Cody had his uh, open challenge for his TNT title, you know, and brought in a bunch of indie guys. Sean Spears should do an open challenge where he only brings in indie guys and hits them with unprotected headshots. <laughs> <laughs> and be like, 
That's right. You're not under AEW contract. You have no, you know, we're not responsible for your health after this whatsoever. Uh, Give them a rugby helmet yeah. and be like, all right, well, you have protection. Now you're eating it. That would be. That's, but he has to like, explicitly know. say all that. Like, that can't be. <laughs> right. <subjects. laughs> yes. Be like, Tony Khan won't let me hit anybody in the fucking head with a chair anymore. So I'm booking my own guys. Here's a waiver. That might, yeah, that might get the heat <laughs> on the wrong people there, but I that's think so that's, funny. that's the best route I've got. <laughs> yeah, it's like, he's like, hey, you guys, I mean, he's got to go all the way. He's like, I know it's a pandemic and you can't work indie. So if you want a payday, all yeah. you got to do is come on AEW and let me hit you in the head with a chair. And it also like still builds the Cody thing because it's a response to Cody's open challenge. I, I think that's yeah. the route they got to go. And Cody's got to be like coming out like Sean. You have to stop this. You know, like this is insane. Uh, but it's like there's so the hospital bills that you're incurring on this company. <laughs> but there's some contractual reason. You no, know, no, 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 no hospital bills for the company. They they leave them no. to pay their own bill. That's these the are whole... contractors, baby. Yeah, yeah. So I love this um, home run derby, Sean Spears. We we've come up with two. Present like the master lock challenge, but it's the the chairman <laughs> challenge. We we've had two gimmick ideas on this show. Uh, that I think AEW should run with. One is this one, and two is uh, the Drama King as the true heir to the Eddie Guerrero wrestling legacy. (laughs) I'm just saying, like, listen to this show and and take some of our ideas, is all I'm saying. I wonder if you put Sean Spears and Drama King in the ring together, (laughs) if I could tell them apart. (laughs) Well, that's a little rude, because Sean Spears is... They seem like the same to me. Sean Spears has a very uh, well-built body, and the Drama King is, like, uh, very uh, underfed, I'm afraid. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> they look very different. I mean, if, if real body guys know. Okay. Sure. But, this, is, this is, yeah. <laughs> it definitely doesn't listen anymore. Um, no. this, is, this is mostly, I think, probably a symptom of me not having seen the Drama King for, I don't know, three <laughs> years, if ever. <laughs> if ever i mean what where would i have seen the drama king what I'm was just, his tag team i'm just saying you're watching the nxt run right did he tag with simon gotch in nxt is that he what it was sure did as okay. the, the yeah. vaude villains i may have seen the vaude villains on one takeover well and then you probably saw him uh when he was paired with with rusev for sure no 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 it was out out by that point uh it was it was wild i'll tell you that I guess it was over. I hear it was over. It was very over. Well, yeah, that's where the whole Rusev Day thing came from. Yeah. All right. Uh, my turn. I know we already talked about this a little, but... And I'm not deleting Alex Gracia. Alex, if you're listening, I'm very fond of you. I think you you seem like a very nice young woman. Um, but here's what I'm mad about. Everybody knows I'm mad. So there was the whole thing. Was it Serena Deeb who said, like, uh, actually, we can't feature any more women on tv because they're not tv ready uh they're gonna hurt each other if we put them on tv and then they have in one segment they have alex gracia and abaddon as like the two like wrestling uh talents that they're featuring with uh hikaru shida neither of whom have shown any capacity uh as pro wrestlers you know like in-ring wrestlers poor alex gracia uh, again, who I just, uh, who I adore. But Alex, I've have watched her now for, I don't know, three years probably since she first showed up in stardom and ha- just hasn't improved in like one 
percent. She's just not good at wrestling. And that's okay. It's not for everybody. Uh, but they throw her ass on TV to have this match with the Karushita when she had I mean, she has on dark the worst matches you have ever seen in like a major company. It's it, it's remarkable. It's insane. Just like doesn't have the ability to like do to string spots together in any way, but they throw her on TV. So it's like, I know that they're lying to me, but stop it. Stop lying to me. Just be honest about why you won't feature women on this television. Well, here's the thing. There are women that can wrestle that never get on TV. I know. Penelope Ford, you know, I think it's booked the last dark. Time she wrestled. It's booked for dark, so she's in okay. wrestling shape, I believe. Um, has a big angle coming up. Why don't you have her beat somebody in two minutes? Uh, big Swole, not on the show. Britt Baker, not on the show. Um, Rosa, Deeb. Rosa, Deeb, Nyla Rose, fucking Layla. Shanna, Shanna's back in the States. Shanna's yep. in the country. Yep. Uh, all these women who can wrestle and are theoretically featured parts of your women's division because you've like signed them to deals uh, and just not. Allie, Allie can wrestle uh, and I don't even think was involved in the butcher segment on this show. So yeah, I just, just mystifying. And it's something that, as you said, AB, she's a known quantity at this point. Alex is. And we know that what what you see is what you get and if serena is saying oh we have people that they're not tv ready then how are you going to get them tv ready when you're giving slots to people that are known quantities and we don't expect them to improve why i mean i know kylan king this was for people who didn't like watch stark they made a match that between kylan king and and uh, alex gracia the winner got to face uh hikaru shida non-title match the match that Kylan King had with Hikaru Shida was miles better. Just run that match back. It, it's it's an inconsequential match. The results and the records are about to reset on January 1. Run that match back because at least you're developing someone there. Like, if you are of the belief that that statement was done in good faith, then you have to be taking proactive steps to have a future where you feel like that people are TV ready and you aren't just bad faith putting people out there that, as we saw, it just falls flat and it was out of any realm of expectations to think that this match was going to be any good right like we all knew what this match was going to be and it was exactly that yeah and and it's also you can't tell me that all the matches on this show needed to be as long as they were you can't cut two minutes from both tag matches and the jurassic express trios and like have six minutes to do another match like the show would be better for it all those matches would be better for being shorter. Yeah, it's like I not that I have any uh <laughs> delusion that uh, Alex Grassi is spending her time listening to our podcast, but I want to be clear that I I don't blame her whatsoever. Like this is no, AEW's no. problem. Um mm-hmm. at, you know, if they called me up and said, "Aaron, we want you to do uh 3 minutes with Hikaru Shida." Yeah. I'd be like, "Sure, why not?" You know, I'll embarrass myself, but sure. You must you must be fond of the pink dream because you usually don't go to this much effort to make clear that it's not a personal thing with the people you're burying. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Everything that I've ever seen about the pink dream makes her seem like just a delightful human being. So uh, I don't want to be 
too negative toward her. Uh, I will forever be haunted by her not being booked for the start of New York show, but showing up <laughs> and uh, hugging and hanging out with some of the wrestlers afterward. It was very cute. So uh, I don't know. I, I, I hope I'm wrong about Alex, I guess is what I'll say. Our listener delete, uh, our good friend Tharo says, Sting's cool, but we got to go somewhere with this instead of rerunning the same thing every week, please. Yeah. I mean, I think the third consecutive week of this 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 promo battle between yeah. Sting and Tony's there, and then the Taz family shows up. Yeah, would would love would love forward momentum. <laughs> I mean, I I think my elite a few weeks ago was like, oh, they actually had some ideas for Sting. They didn't just like show up with Sting, and then they have uh, crapped on me by not doing anything at all with this. All right, uh, the show opened, as we said, with Chris Jericho and MJF uh, defeat. Oh, I, I skipped over ratings. We don't have ratings yet, so we can't, yep. can't really talk about them. I'm very glad you went back to hit that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I hate messing up my format sheet. I apologize. Uh, Chris Jericho and MJF defeated top flight. MJF pinned Darius after uh, the Heat Seeker. And then after the match, we got, wow, a Jake Hager promo in the wild. Uh, we also needed this instead of... Uh, another women's segment. Ever since we came together, we've won. Every member has done their job, except Wardlow. Where is Wardlow? Oh, he's away on family business. But this is family. This is family business, uh, Hager said. Uh, he said, but I show up and do my job. So next week on Dynamite, Jake Hager versus Wardlow. Yeah, he doesn't He doesn't need to talk. They have so many guys <laughs> that. I mean, I guess the point is he has a personal issue within the stable. Yeah. So it's not like he can have Chris Jericho cut this promo on Wardlow for him, but yeah, it's just not a good talker. He just should have pre-taped it. I mean, he can do mm-hmm. he can do okay on a pre-tape. Yeah, there's ways that they could have worked around this rather than giving Jake Hager a live mic in ring. Uh, then we had the acclaimed Buck Hunt video that uh, they had posted on Twitter. So I, I'd seen this on Twitter, uh, but basically a music video of a song they made called Buck Hunt uh, about the Young Bucks. It's really good. Like the great usage of their gimmick and the fact that AEW generally has very good pre-tapes uh, and they had some good punchlines here about the Young Bucks. I like them uh, uh, appropriating or taking that, you know, AEW hater criticism of like, oh, the Young Bucks, they paid off Uncle Dave to give them all the star ratings. I like kind of incorporating that into their heel act because, uh, you, you know, you know, that appeals to some whatever brain dead contingent to the wrestling audience yeah and we had a not atticus kogar there which you know oh was it otis kogar otis kogar yeah there we go otis kogar someone who looked like a combination of atticus kogar and jordan oliver was on there and the real ones out there got popped at this somebody in the discord said atticus cougar and i just want to say that's his uh all right uh sting was out with tony shivani uh, yeah, he had this really weird thing about wanting to come here to be a part of the charge Cody was leading, even though, as our good friend Aaron Tao pointed out on Twitter, he said uh, a week or two ago that he wasn't here for Cody. Uh, and then he did a Dusty Rhodes impression. It was good. It was, I mean, it was the best part of the promo, I thought. It was. But it's just like this whole thing is so strange. We were also talking about this in the Discord last night of like Crow Sting was this like mysterious character that was the point he never talked Uh, we only saw him up in the rafters 
And now it's just like Steve Borden, but in the crow sting gimmick. It's just like a very weird thing. Yeah, it is. It, it it's unusual, but I think it's, I don't know. Maybe it's not that unusual because this is what he's been for far longer than that one year leading up to Starcade 97 or whatever. Like he's been doing this act in TNA and then in WWE for like the last, you know, 10 plus years or something. He's in yeah. TNA forever. So, but I didn't see that. So it does. Right. It yeah. Matter. No, I th- you're right about that. But this is also what he is. And it generally works. Like people like it. Things cool. I don't know. I just want to see him put on the put the surfer paint back on. That's really all. That's all I'm calling for here. Joker paint. <laughs> the, the the surfer paint, and he has to bring back the the high top. Ooh, can we get the, can we get a surfer Joker? Okay, Ooh. let's workshop this for a second. Um, <laughs> is he going to be like? Is it going to be the surfer paint, but in Joker colors, or is it going to be the uh, the Joker paint, but it's going to be made up to look like he's surfing? I think it has to be the Joker paint, but in the outline of the surfer paint. Okay. If that makes sense. Like it, it's got the shape of the surfer paint, but the color scheme and content of the paint is like, is Joker style. I like this. I, I think it's got some legs. Uh, what's it, is, is his surfboard going to be something in Joker-fied? Because that's the other aspect to it. Well, I think I think it's a big, uh, big grin, and it says "Why so serious?" on it. <laughs> sure, <laughs> that's that's my initial inclination. <laughs> Got to keep it simple sometimes. <laughs> uh, he references Darby, who of course has a spotlight on him up in the uh, up in the high seats. Uh, but before he can uh, say anything to Darby, Team Taz comes out. Uh, they're sick of him sticking his nose in their business. I'm like, dude, you motherfuckers come out every week. Stinks trying to cut a promo. Who's sticking? Who's knows where? I think you just said stink. <laughs> I did just now. Yeah, that stinks really... trying to cut a promo. <laughs> uh, they're gonna attack him, but the lights go out and Darby appears in the ring. Uh, you don't mind this, Mike or Nate? You're mad about the Sheenon, but you don't mind this where he just shows well, up. You know why? Because they showed Darby leaving. <laughs> so it's like a logical. Logical explanation for, oh, he left, and then the lights went out, and then he climbed into the ring while the lights were out. So it made perfect sense. I have complained on this show about doing the lights out gimmick too much. Yeah, they do a lot of that. Uh, Taz said he's happy to wait until January 6th for when Cage and Darby are going to wrestle. Uh, Cage kind of uh, complains. He doesn't want to wait, but Taz wins, and they kind of leave. And then Sting and Darby are left in the ring to continue uh, making – Frankly, pretty erotic eye contact uh, as we fade out of this segment. Is Jared Leto the most surfer Joker there's been? Um, he's, he's, he's the most like Los Angeles Joker, I think, without question. What about? I'm just trying to think of like more Heath Ledger though. Heath Ledger. I mean, he is a he was Australian. That's true, but that didn't come yeah. across in his performance. That's fair. That's fair. He was, you know, that was very dark and brooding. I would never go on a surfboard. Yep. That, was, that was more Batman voice than anything. <laughs> <laughs> we don't surf in Gotham. I I would say though that Jack Nicholson had like the uh, the surfer colors more. Sure. With his character. I, I, hmm. We don't surf in Gotham. We have no beaches. <laughs> it is cold. I wa- That's uh, my bad. I watched the uh, the Harley Quinn movie the other day on on the Mac. Yeah. Living the Max life. 
Hell yeah. And yeah. they just they just made Gotham Los Angeles. <laughs> 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 like they they go and buy tacos. <laughs> It's like sunny, <laughs> like fucking Rodeo Drive, and it's like, yeah, this is this is Gotham, yeah. Right. Warner not, Brothers not just trying. doesn't care. Yeah. This they don't even care at this point. Like I respect it in a way, going like, yeah, no, Gotham's just going to be everywhere. Then is Metropolis next going to be Omaha, Nebraska? Because that's what I want to see. Yeah, but Gotham, Gotham just encapsulates all all parts of. Uh, the metro, yeah, the, the greater U.S. meaning the uh, th- three most uh, populated cities. MJF is backstage. Uh, he, you know, tries to point out that the cameraman is not hidden. He's actually invited the cameraman. It's like just let go of this. Like, <laughs> no, I like it. Uh, well, I, I also I like it here because it also makes him seem like a phony, even though. Yes, that's true. That's yeah. true. Uh, he's going into a room where Santana and Ortiz are, uh, they don't like him. They're getting up when he comes in. MJF says that he knows Santana lost someone close to him. Uh, his step, I think we talked about this last week, but his stepfather recently passed away. And MJF talks about how he lo- also lost his grandfather recently. Uh, he knows how hard that is. He's here for Santana if he needs anything. Uh, Santana tells him to keep his head up. They shake hands, hug, and then Ortiz comes through. And uh, they also shake hands. So a sweet little moment. Yeah. So I, I, I like it because it also raises the question like, oh, is he a phony or is this genuine? And then we don't know. Uh, but if they're doing, you know, maybe this is how MJF gets part of the inner circle on his side for the ultimate inner circle implosion. Uh, so, yeah, a little, little bit of intrigue there. I was really holding my breath, afraid that he was going to make some off color joke about yeah. Santana's stepfather dying. Yeah. I'm glad that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, that would have been annoying. Yeah. Uh, Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, and Marco Stunt defeated Colt Cabana 5 and 10. Jungle Boy pinned 5 with an assisted powerbomb. Uh, after the match, Tony Schiavone was in the ring to interview the winners, but Tully and FTR interrupted on the Tron. Uh, Tully said FTR is the 2020 Tag Team of the Year. Uh, he says he knows the Jurassic Express guys want to make a name off of FTR, but if Marco sticks his nose in, Tully might have a flashback to the 80s. Marco flipping out after <laughs> he said that. <laughs> yeah, that, that was highlight to me is like Marco got actually offended that some old guy talked shit about him. And the way that like he like started flying around and then both of them caught him at the same time was pretty great visual image. <laughs> great work from Marco here. Match was fine. It was it was a decent match. You know, it, it's what you expect. I love seeing Alan Angels each time. And, you know, Colt Cabana is like the weird member of the uh, uh, the Dark Order is interesting to me. Yeah, it is. I, I guess they must just be waiting on Brody to come back to figure out where they're going with the Colt story. Because the whole thing was, you know, Colt was being initiated and then uh, uh, Brody got mad at him for losing a match or whatever. But then Evil Uno was, you know, still being nice to him or whatever. So I guess you need Brody back to continue the angle of, oh, the leader of the Dark Order actually doesn't like this guy. That, that, that computes to me. But would, you know, seems like it's been on the back burner for a while now. Yeah, Dark Order is just kind of back on the treadmill. I mean, they just are well, doing the same stuff over and over, waiting for Brody, I guess. Yes, but at least they, they did find a couple cute little stories to do in the interim. The... I mean, the Adam Page thing is good, genuinely good. And the the seven Dusty Rhodes thing or Dustin Rhodes thing is like, oh, that's a 
fine little holdover feud for evil uno to get a little more presence on the show so yeah it is on the back burner but i don't know it's it's not getting tiresome to me kenny omega is backstage he talks about how fenix chokes every chance he gets uh, and now you have to face someone who doesn't love you. He's uh, referring to him facing his brother previously. Uh, in fact, someone who doesn't even like you. Honestly, Kenny says he's afraid he might put Phoenix out, uh, but maybe Impact will take you back. But Don Callis says he doesn't know. Phoenix a little injury prone, but they could call Conan. And so Conan gets, I think, his first shout out on, on AEW television. Conan was uh, in the Las Vegas vignette. Oh, that's right. That's right. I apologize. So Conan, Conan is maybe, uh, he's AAA and inner circle affiliated. Right. Yeah. Whereas Don Don Callis is super elite and TNA affiliated. There's a lot of lot of moving alliances and allegiances going on. We will have the yarn chart in 2021. Now, is Conan the canonical Booker of AAA in AAA story? I feel like maybe not. Kind of like it's something that's like mentioned that like he has power within the company but he's not like canonically like the decision maker even though everyone knows he is it's just one of those things that's not kind of referred because he was affiliated with uh kenny and the bucks when they came down in 2019 because he was the heat magnet so they could get any heat whatsoever yes but then was uh simultaneously opposed to cody despite cody being with kenny and the bucks at that time uh, right and, and six taurus on cody I, I mean, it's AAA. It all makes sense in yeah, AAA. Yeah, all this stuff definitely makes sense. Uh, you just have to have the necessary lucha knowledge. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, uh, as we said earlier, great promo. And I'm seriously going to do a yarn chart in my office of every trying to figure out every relationship and everything out there. It's probably going to take up a, the greater part of a wall. So, yeah. I look forward to seeing that. Uh, Pack defeated the Butcher, as we discussed earlier. Uh, Lance Archer came out toward the end when it looked like Eddie was going to interfere. And then after the match, Pack and Lance and Penta uh, just kind of stared at each other. So, you know, furthering their uh, uneasy alliance. Jade Cargill's backstage. Uh, essentially, she suggests that Brandy got pregnant because she was afraid of, of Jade, uh, which I think is true. Uh, then she says Shaq has called out Cody. I'm not sure that's true. Uh, so she's calling out Brandy and says they better find her a worthy opponent because she is tired of this shit. Yeah, still very confused about how about Shaq's involvement. Yeah. To, to recap, Jade Cargill came out and confronted Cody because Cody was talking shit about the giants that he beat. And Jade Cargill said, well, I know a real giant. Uh, but then they had a backstage interview where uh Shaq was like not that fussed about Cody and didn't really seem to care but he did really want to see Brandy and Jade Cargill go at it which is not happening now uh yeah just kind of you know a mess yeah yeah making sense of this is something that it'll be interesting like five years from now talking about like so what was the original plan with this because I have to have no idea of what's going on at this point I mean, Co- where, Cody where and Brandy versus Jade and Shaq makes sense to me. But it can't happen now. But yeah, it can't happen now. And, you know, from ja- from Jack's, from Shaq's performance in that interview, didn't seem like he was particularly enthused about doing it anyway. Right. Yeah, I mean, technically, I mean, just I'm just saying here, I'm not a 
billionaire son or anything, but I'd get all the, the signatures on the piece of paper before I started putting bits of the story on my television. That's yeah. just what I would do. Uh, I agree that that is how most people would do it. I kind, of, <laughs> I kind of like, I don't like the fact that story threads, you know, up and vanish uh, from moment to moment. You know, some of them come back, which is great. Uh, but it is kind of fun to see them do stuff like, oh, let's heavily feature Ben Carter on this television show after an NBA game uh, when he's not under contract to us and will not be under contract to us. That's kind of just a weird <laughs> pro wrestling thing that uh, is kind of fun to look back on. Uh, Miro, Kip, and Penelope are out with Tony Schiavone. Tony did a lot of work on this show. I feel like recently he's like uh, very involved on the show. Uh, Kip says, it's the first ever wrestling wedding on TNT. I thought he was going to claim it was the first ever wrestling wedding, which I thought was funny. Didn't, are we sure? Didn't like David Flair and Miss Hancock get married? That I saw people discussing that. Um, Maybe that was a thunder. What what was that on TBS? TBS. Yeah. Or was it uh, WCW Pro or Saturday Night? I mean. Uh, no, the, no. The David Flair wedding was absolutely on WCW Nitro. Okay. So. Live. Were they were they preempted for the dog show that week? I oh, know that was USA. USA had the dog show. By the way. Right. By yeah. the way, it happened on September 11. <laughs> 2000. The- Wow. <laughs> I was so excited for a second that they did that. Then I was like, oh, wait, no, they were dead at that point. Yeah, no, it was exactly one year before. The death of WCW for sure caused 9-11. <laughs> yeah. I think the data, the data is clear. Yeah. Uh, if you could indulge me for a second, what would WCW <laughs> would have done on 9-11 if they were still alive? <laughs> oh, fuck, man. I don't know. Um because you got to assume that Kevin Nash would still be booking. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ma- Major Guns would have rejected <laughs> Team Canada and gone back to a flag print bikini. Oh, yeah. That would have been good. Yeah. Uh, G- General Erection. You know, I mean, <laughs> they, they had to bring him in for something. <laughs> General Erection. General Erection going to the center of the ring and laying an American flag in it like John Cena. I'm so mad that actually, now that you mentioned this, that we didn't get to see what WCW would have done <laughs> in response to 9 <laughs> 11. Okay. What, uh, it's hard to imagine them doing something more offensive than Muhammad Hassan, but I think they yeah. would have, right? Oh, for sure. For sure. Oh, it matters who has the pencil. If it's, if it's Kevin Nash, DDP. I don't know. Na- uh, yeah. Dusty. Nash is, Nash is, I don't know. Tough to say about Nash. Nash is at least like, vocally anti-racist now yeah, but, but everybody was more racist in 2000 and 2001 that's true <laughs> I don't know. By everyone i mean all white people were more racist then that's true mm-hmm. let's see i'm trying i'm looking at their last pay-per-view greed greed yes to try to see like if there's any- mike sanders would have to be involved in what happens in, i mean uh, for the memorial team canada was uh heavily and, and uh huge erection was around he was on that show I'm telling y'all, it would have it would have ended with General Huge erection laying a flag down in the ring, you know, and then saying that he's going to go and sign up for the military and end up like Pat Tillman. I see that uh, Sean O'Hare was on this show, and I can't now stop from thinking about the thing that Alan Forel posted earlier from Tanahashi, where he was basically <laughs> like, Sean O'Hare was so fucking hot that it was hard for me to wrestle him. <laughs> <laughs> 
he winked and I realized he's so cool. This is that that American big star appeal. He was just he literally said it's hard to wrestle someone with that much uh uh sexual energy or something like that. <laughs> I gotta I gotta find the tweet now. I, I, I mean it's not an issue sometimes with just wrestling in general. The person has just too much like raw sexual energy. We cannot Oh yeah. He said uh, he certainly had that U.S. wrestler aura to him. It's tough facing a guy with that much sex appeal. He had the <laughs> mental edge for that match. God. Because all Tana could think about was how hot he was. Tanahashi's so cool. He is. God. He uh, he, he doesn't mind to admit that Sean O'Hare uh, was just a fucking babe who got really got in his head. So I mean, the world's full of babes and hunks, and we just have to accept it, and Tanahashi is secure enough of himself to say, yes, Scott O'Hare, big fucking hunk. Couldn't wrestle my best game against him because I was so distracted by him being a hunk. Uh, I just, I'd really like our res- our wrestlers, our fans, uh, our listeners, is what I was looking for, uh, to reach out to us with your ideas of what WCW would have done uh, to commemorate <laughs> <laughs> September 11, 2001. I can't, uh, I can't believe I just broke the show by, by asking that question. That, that has really ruined my life because it's all I, I'm so mad about it now. All right. Uh, so, yeah, we're talking about Miro, right? right? So Kip says the wedding's going to be a big deal to everyone at home because uh, their lives suck. So they're looking forward to this. Uh, they're going to show a video on the Tron uh, about the best friends, but instead the best friends music hits. Uh, but we, we find out that it was a joke and Kip and Miro and Penelope are just having a laugh. Uh, and instead, they put up some footage of Trent getting in an ambulance with Chuck and Orange. And then after that, they announced that the wedding is going to happen on February 3rd at Beach Break. Beach Break. Uh, yeah, no, this segment was, other than Kip, the, the rest of the segment was amazing. Uh, Miro shouting out things like off microphone, yelling out that he's in, he will be in the house for that. That made my night. Uh and I guess they're going to have a beach wedding. You know, this might be the first ever wrestling beach wedding on TNT. So No, didn't... Uh, no, it wasn't the wedding. I don't know. Isn't there a... What am I thinking of about Randy Savage on the beach? Well, I mean, there's the, the photo of him with the WWF title where he's looking off into the distance pondering on a pier, if that's what you're thinking. Because I think about that photo a lot. <laughs> uh no there's also there's also i wasn't thinking about this but there's also one of like savage uh like doing a bench press on the beach this is like early nitro wcw hell yeah but i I think there's like a later era i don't know i'm not i don't know what i'm thinking of so i'm probably wrong about this but it may be the first wrestling beach wedding i mean i can't think of another one i mean other great events on wrestling on the beach uh Yuji Nagata working out on the beach with uh, the current great Okarn just looking incredibly awkward as women were falling all over them. But Yuji Nagata's like, hell yeah, this is great. And uh, Oka obviously wanted to go look at anime. Okay, what what I was thinking of was Randy Savage's shoot wedding to his wife, uh, Lynn. Uh, right, yeah. That That definitely happened on the beach, but not a wrestling wedding. I apologize. Okay, uh, then we had uh, Dustin Rose defeating Evil Uno with a running bulldog. Real uh, SMW hours here with a bulldog finish. Uh, after the match, Uno was on his knees asking for Dustin to shake his hand. Uh, but a babyface Dustin 
pretends to shake his hand, but kicks him in the head instead. Uh, Stu Grayson attacks. Lee Johnson tries to make the save, but fails. Uh, same for QT. But then Lee Johnson recovers. Uh, the big shoddy comes back and cleans house. I kind of like how this angle is going. Like we've talked about how they're kind of treadmilling it with like the inner circle. But like this idea of the real B team, or really, to be honest, the C team, seeing that the, that the gun club went all the time, getting to face inner circle like this, and Lee Johnson getting more time and getting to see more of that. And he was the one who cleaned the house, not QT's great forearms or Dustin Rhodes. You know, it was pretty effective. You know, I'm interested to see where this can go. I mean, would it be like Uno, uh, Grayson, and. Maybe they try to pull, this is where they really try to pull in uh, Adam Page. That's an interesting kind of program. Okay. Then we had uh, the Sean Spears interview that we talked about. The only part we didn't mention is that he said, you tell Tony and all the executive vice pricks. I'll come back if I feel like it. I liked that. I thought that was funny. Uh, Sheeta was backstage with Dasha, but Abaddon attacked. Michael Nakazawa there to help Hikaru Shida. Very nice of him. And then Hikaru uh, Shida defeated Alice Gracia with the Falcon Arrow. I guess I, I I should appreciate that they did the attack angle before the match. Well, I guess and after the match as well. Yes, yeah, it happened on both sides. I was you know it was a nice variation on the the formula where they have an attack angle in every single segment that it's like no this attack angle happens before the segment. It actually also happened in the middle of the match. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we are. We're reaching a, a saturation point where there's just going to be attack angles happening uh, simultaneously with every match up and down the card. Yeah. And in the main event, the Young Bucks defeated the acclaimed uh, Matt pinned Max Caster after the BTE trigger. Kind of thought that was interesting in that I think everyone agrees that Bowens is like the wrestling prospect of the two. Um, so interesting that Caster took the pinfall. All right. Uh, if you enjoy the show, you want to support the show as we head into the new year, you can head over to patreon.com slash everything elite. Don't hit that fast forward 15 seconds, baby, because we got the awards coming in a little bit. Also, it's important to listen to how you can support us. Uh, yeah, we got three tiers. The middle tier, the $5 tier gets you all the audio content that we do. Uh, this past week, we had a best of 2020 episode that frankly was very well uh, responded to or whatever. Imagine I said something that makes sense and made me wonder, like I talked about this with Mike on light. Uh, do we talk about wrestling too much on, on this show? <laughs> well, who, who complains that we don't talk about wrestling enough? Like one YouTube commenter. Also, Ogan. Oh yeah. He wanted to hear about the, the Lee Johnson. He wants us to really break down the matches on dark, which Mike and I do not do. Yeah, um, I don't have a ton to say about matches. <laughs> yes, I know. Yeah, I, you know, I just look at if they're successful or not. So, uh, And then, of course, we also have our light show where Mike and I uh, break down, not really, Dark. We just talk about what was funny from Dark. Uh, we preview Dynamite, and then uh, Nate hits the, the vlog, Quick Hits. But there was lots of good stuff on there this month. Mike did a really good show with uh, Brandon Howard Thurston. I hope everybody will check that out. Uh, we have a Discord that's a lot of fun. We, you know, everybody, even for Late Night Dynamite, we were in there chatting last night. So uh, join us, won't you? Patreon.com. Yeah, we were up to the exotic hour of 11 p.m. That's right. Central time. A lot of us live in Eastern time, Nate. Uh, I, I can't account for your, after your, poor, your poor decisions. That's, I, 
buddy. Take that upon you know, yourself. No. I've made a lot of poor decisions. But a poor decision <laughs> I haven't made is being a part of patreon.com slash everything elite. Come over and subscribe. All right, we're going to... Well, no, that's not true. But the E Awards <laughs> are next. I was say we're going to close it out with that, but I also, we usually talk about what's going to be on next week's show at the end. So, yeah. E Awards, baby. Um, you can go listen to the nomination show on the Patreon. That was a lot of fun. Basically, each of us gets to nominate one, and then we do a wild card where we have to reach a consensus on the fourth selection. Then we post it on our Patreon. Uh, for people to vote. We got a very high level of participation, which I was very happy about. And uh, yeah, we got some winners. So uh, the men's match of the year last year, it was Cody versus Dustin Rhodes from double or nothing uh, this year. The winner uh, Nate's pick. Uh, hey, okay. Page. So, do you want to, so I haven't looked at them. I don't want to look at them. Do okay. you want to read the nominees? Okay. That's a good um, idea. <laughs> and I, I feel like don't also don't, uh, attribute thing like mike put in i saw that mike put in one of the patreon posts like oh nate nate picked the revival for tag team of the year no to be clear my i did not vote for the revival for tag team of the year i nominated them because i felt like they had to be part of the discussion so i i, I just want to i don't want to be uh you know accused of voting for the revival basically i guess i didn't really vote at all i mean it would be hard because you're not a subscriber to the patreon yeah i don't have a patreon account so that makes it tough so yeah um okay men's match of the year here were your nominees that's right i guess a lot of people listen to this didn't listen to the nomination show because they're not patrons so here are the nominees uh the parking lot brawl uh hangman page and kitty omega versus the young bucks pack versus kenny iron man match uh or the stadium stampede those were your nominees and our patrons have voted for the hangman page and kenny omega versus the young bucks match you got 63 percent of the vote it's uh probably a probably a worldwide leader for this category yeah i think that you look at what might pop up on global top 10 lists at the end of this year and i think that this probably will be the high watermark for AEW. so made sense to me and in that margin it was something that you kind of got to a point where it was just like there are some some clear candidates and some that just weren't that kind of candidates and i feel like that those four even with the one that i nominated being the pack and kenny ironman matches are ones that were really well thought of women's match of the year last year reho versus nyla rose uh the initial uh dynamite match uh this year the nominees were reho versus nyla rose uh the tv match where nyla rose won the title uh nyla rose versus hikaru shida at double or nothing two Hikaru Shida versus Penelope Ford at Fighter Fest. And the wild card match was Thunder Rosa versus Serena Deeb. Uh, your winner for the second year in a row, Riho versus Nyla Rose, uh, with 49% of the vote. Congrats. <laughs> I don't know if you guys I, want I, to comment or you just want me to keep going. Well, or... I, I, I have no takes on this category. Yeah. Good match. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, we did already do comments on all of this stuff. We, yeah. We we miss Riho. We yeah, we miss Riho. Badly. And I guess if unless Riho doesn't come back, we'll have new winners in this category next year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the men's wrestler of the year last year, Cody, was the winner. This year, our nominees were John Moxley, Orange Cassidy, Brody Lee, and I almost said Mike Lee and uh, Kenny Omega. Uh, the senator from Utah was not able to sneak into 
the nominations. John Moxley, your runaway winner. I think the most runaway winner, 77% of the vote. Yeah, the high, that was the highest percentage in any category. Yeah, he had a really good year. Uh, you know, uh, acted the part of a champion better than anybody has maybe done in the West for a very long time. Uh, turned in some great promos, had some great matches. Um, kind, kind of mostly just wished that his big run capping match with Kenny had been better, but uh, you know, we're, we're still moving ahead with that storyline. So yeah, no great year for John Moxley. He's also, I think was top of the PWI 500, I want to say. And as I imagine, yeah. going to be, you know, on top of wrestler of the year voting, uh, again, all across the world. Yeah, I mean, he had probably the best babyface American title run in a long time. And the like the big shame of it was that almost all of it happened without crowds. And I think that's something that's a testament to how good his run was. It still came across like this, even though the majority of it, there were no crowds. And then at most, you had 1,000 people there for one of his matches. So, uh, Women's wrestler of the year, the 2019 winner was Riho. I'm just thinking about how... Funny it is that neither of the winners last year of Wrestler of the Year were nominees this year uh, in either category. So our, the women's nominees were Britt Baker, Nyla Rose, Hikaru Shida, and Thunder Rosa. Uh, and uh, Hikaru Shida runs away with it, 68% of the vote. Yeah, that was, I mean, she was the only pushed woman for, <laughs> I don't know, at least 40% of the year. Yes, easy one. Uh, tag team of the year last year, it was Santana and Ortiz. Wow, they really uh, didn't get as much focus this year. Uh, the nominees for this year, the best friends, Nate's pick, FTR, <laughs> uh, Omega and Page, and the Young Bucks. And the winners were Omega and Page, I think rightfully so. 63% of the vote. Yeah, I mean, they they carry the division with those tag team title matches for a long time. Um, kind of look back and you know um think more fondly maybe about the best friends maybe just because they're a more established team and they're still together um but hopefully they're in line for a, a push and they can get to this level next year yeah i mean it's one of those things you look at like the categories and it's probably something that really says how strong the year was from omega and page the fact that they clearly ran away with it from more established teams show of the year last year double or nothing uh this year the nominees revolution double or nothing fighter fest night one saturday night dynamite uh revolution i guess revolution actually tied moxley i missed that earlier they also got it also got 77 percent of the vote tied for the most running awayest yes High, largest share of the vote uh, feud slash storyline of the year last year was Cody and Jericho. Uh, this year, the nominee is Kingston, the Kingston Moxley feud, Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho, best friends versus Santana and Ortiz. Uh, the wild card pick was team FTW versus team Darby and the, uh, Kingston and John Moxley feud wins with 67%. Yeah. Great fucking promos. <laughs> really got a lot out of Eddie Kingston and his, uh, relatively short run in this company so far. I'm realizing this is just a hard segment to do, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. should have thought it out more, perhaps. I, I, I mean, I'll say this. I feel like it's there's... going fine. Okay. Yeah, good. it's going good. good. It's going great. You're doing a great job, Champ. Thanks. Keep it Thanks. up. Uh, 
I, I will say that looking overall, there's only one of these that I was surprised by the result. So when we get to it, I will have Ooh. a lot to say. All right, best on interviews, uh, Cody in 2019. Cody really racked up the wins the first year of AEW. Uh, our nominees this year, Eddie Kingston, Taz, Ricky Starks, and John Moxley. Uh, Eddie Kingston wins. Ricky Starks got zero votes, folks. <laughs> yeah, Very good. That, he, yeah, that was a bad nominee for me, even though I think he oh, is no. a great promo. I think it's a good one. It's just this was a year with the other three guys in the – category are right. like we're really good this year yeah i mean this is yeah. this is gonna look a lot like your top five best on promo observer awards is gonna be all of these guys so yeah. what can you do mm-hmm. uh best on twitter chuck taylor was your winner in 2019 nominees this year uh nyla rose big swole chuck taylor and luther and uh chuck taylor our only i think repeat mm. winner what was this percentage how'd luther do uh, sixty-one percent for, uh, for Chuck Taylor, and this is me trying to load the post up to uh, figure out. This is what it sounds like, folks. <laughs> Peek behind the curtain. You can hear the gears turning in the laptop. Uh, how many years until we have to retire Chuck Taylor from this category? Because I feel like that there is a legitimate conversation that Chuck Taylor might just win this category as long as this category exists. That's certainly possible, especially with our patrons who are. It's a very pro Chuck. Uh, very pro Chuck group. Luther mm-hmm. came in second, but he only got 19% of the vote. I don't know. I feel like the the curse of Twitter is that after you've read enough of somebody's thoughts and basically solved them, then you will get annoyed about them, regardless of how much <laughs> you might like them. Um, I feel like that's part that's kind of uh, systematic within Twitter. So, you know, a couple more years of, of Chuck doing his little Chuck thing. Be like, all right, Chuck, we get it. Fucking move on, buddy. Breakout star 2019 uh, was Darby Allen. Uh, the nominees this year, uh, Will Hobbs, John Silver, Ricky Starks, Anna Jay. The closest of any category. Ricky Starks is your winner with 48%. John Silver right behind him with 43%. We had a lot of debates about the nominees on this one. We did. Mm-hmm. We really did. I, I, was, I was vindicated as my nominee won. So... It's okay, Nate. John Silver is not as much of a breakout star as Ricky Starks. Well, at least my nominee did better than Aaron's nominee. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Well, I, but what we're not accounting for here is, I don't know in what order we went. Uh, so, you know, yeah, sometimes I, you get to nominate somebody before other No, people. this one I specifically remember. We all thought we had, actually, we all set our nominee at the exact same time. Exact same time. <laughs> and they were all were different. So That's right. We, thought, we all won. thought it was super obvious. <laughs> Wait, but we all didn't we didn't we all miss someone on this? Um, no, no, or was there another no. category? There's a category dude, we forgot: Brandon Cutler and Peter Allen. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Very funny. Uh, okay, uh, intangible of the year. This is basically where we try to throw something in that we couldn't find a spot for anywhere else. Oh, I, and I lied to you. Last category. This was the closest category. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, Excalibur won in 2019, which. Uh, uh, problematic choice for us honestly <laughs> looking back really wish we could take that one back uh this year the nominees were dark jobbers sue wardlow and the gooch and uh wardlow was your winner with 38 percent to sue's 36 percent. that's uh that surprises me a little bit because wardlow is like too genuine a selection 
All the other ones who have uh, have a nice sheen of irony on them. <laughs> right. We, I hope Mickey Cooch Jr. is doing okay right now, by the way. I feel like I said that on the nomination show, too. We have a fairly we have a fairly sincere yeah. patrons, I would say. Yeah, I'd, I'd say we're probably more irony poisoned than our audience, yes. <laughs> yes, for sure. Which, you know, maybe we should think about that. But I can't. I will never think about anything. It's just my brain. Uh, Dark Wrestler of the Year. This was the first year of the category. The nominees were Red Velvet, The Little Hurt, Frankie Thomas, Alex Gracia, after I buried her on the show earlier, she did get nominated for Dark Wrestler of the Year. And Brandon Cutler was the wild card. And the wild card won. 58% of the voters went with uh, Brandon Cutler himself. The heart and soul of BTE. Indeed. The nemesis of good old JR. (laughs) And finally, uh, best shoulder content. The nominees were what you would expect. Being the elite. A shot of brandy, Miro on Twitch, Sammy Guevara's vlog, and uh, the classic one being the elite. Fifty-one percent of the vote. Don't like it. I think that it was a weak year for being the elite. I think Sammy Guevara's vlog is ascendant. Miro on Twitch is excellent, and of course, the shot of brandy is the best thing that they put out. So I have to say that I'm disappointed in this one. It should have been a shot of brandy by far. Yeah, uh, yeah. I can't call it a weak year for PTE because they basically fully rehabbed the dark order and (laughs) turned them into like the hottest thing in the company after having been like the worst thing in the company. That's fair. Um, fair. And you know, some, some good bits interspersed. Anna. Um, So yeah, uh, you know, Sammy, Sammy G vlog is of course the hipster's choice. That's the one that's on the rise that all the, you know, Cody has jumped ship to that vlog famously. And uh, so that's the one to keep an eye on. Uh, a shot of brandy, I guess they have to retire or make it a. What do you replace it with? An espresso shot of brandy? Is that the solution? On account of she's with child. I, I think you have to find a new host or do everything on alcoholic. A shot of. I'm gonna, gonna tell you guys, a lot of people I think uh, continue to drink in moderation while while pregnant. Yes. But they don't drink in moderation on that show. <laughs> That's true. She gets sloshed. That's true. Okay. Uh, coming up next week on Dynamite, the New Year's Smash Night One. Uh, it's a it's a big ass show. We got the AW Men's World Title, Kenny Omega versus Phoenix. John Moxley will return, so he is definitively not going to be in Japan for wrestling. Uh, you, you doubted Tony Khan when he said that he was yeah. not going. Yes. Wow. I mean, I've been trying to tell people for a while, he would have had to have been in Japan last week. Nobody knew where he was last week, so he certainly could have been there. He wasn't on Dynamite. I I had a good reason to believe that he was in the States. Well, I don't stalk his house, so I didn't. (laughs) I don't stalk his house either. I did. You you make me seem like a creepy I don't try to peek in his his, uh, blinds and see what's going on. So I don't know. All I know, I'm just a lowly podcaster. I don't know anything. Uh, the AEW Women's World title, Hikaru Shida versus the Shinam, Abaddon, uh, and Jake Hager versus Wardlow. So a pretty big card here. Yeah, Wardlow gets to wrestle. How about that? That's right. When's the, yeah, Wardlow hasn't wrestled what that tag match that he had with MJF. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and it's not, been a while. Okay, is this going to be the Jake Hager match that delivers, Aaron? <laughs> um, I mean, he's I, in there with the... The undefeated, the un, 
impeachable Warlow, who delivers in every segment that he's in. And now he's got the toughest task of his career uh, against Jake Hager, the guy whose segments never delivered. The 2019 Intangible of the Year winner, Wardlow. 2020, you mean? It's the oh it's fuck the yeah, deliverable, the deliverable object against the undeliverable <laughs> racist. I don't know. Parcel, parcel, parcel. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is probably the least well built of the Jake Hager singles matches. For sure. Well, the tension has been brewing for a while, but then they're just like, uh, now the match is happening. Yeah, it just doesn't feel as hot as it might have at one time. So. I'm, I have not gotten worked into thinking this is going to be good, but there's still time for them to release a road to that will get me talked uh, 100% into it. <laughs> uh, then after that, the New Year's Smash Night 2 with Snoop Dogg, the host of the Go Big Show. As Oakgan pointed out, that's uh, now how exactly how he's being billed. So uh, that's what his he's biggest. Most famous for, I think. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, that, of course, is going to have the TNT title, Darby Allen versus Brian Cage. And they announced Cody Rhodes versus Matt Seidel. So Cody is just having completely fucking random matches on Dynamite. That's his new thing. I mean, it's happening. I'm stoked. Uh, these two guys never have had a singles match, which is kind of wild. Well, I would say I'm, I would say I'm looking forward to it, but I don't like to lie to our listeners. I saw that. Uh, this is totally unrelated, and that, that it's it's mostly unrelated. Uh, I saw that Kenta liked the tweet where Matt Seidel said he was set, signed to AEW. I, the only time they would have crossed paths would have been in like a ring of honor, right? Yeah, no, they would have known each other because of ring of honor and, and Seidel was over in Japan a lot before. Yeah, uh, but not before with, Kenta not with new Japan or Noah when Kenta was in those no. companies, but Kenta, Kenta, I mean, like it's a small circle. Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it's a small business. Just thought it was, yeah. Just thought it was funny to, to see. I was like, Oh, what's going on with Kenta? Is he liking any more Trump tweets? Uh, but no, that's that's misrepresentative. Wait. He liked the he liked the Trump tweet that was like Trump's insane dancing video that got <laughs> removed. Removed. Oh, the Macho the, Man one. Yes, that's that's one. Okay, liked, but uh, which you can certainly like for <laughs> non. So that's reasons. that's just a good video. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to search to see if they've ever if Kenta and Matt Seidel have ever been in a match together. It would have had to be in Ring of Honor, but at that time, Matt Seidel. No, I don't think it. I don't think it would have lined up. Well, cage match is not helping me, so it's just not loading anything. So I guess we'll never know. <laughs> we will never know if this match happens. We'll never and know. It, and if it does, you're going to add Aaron at Aaron like the car. Sure. And you're going to let him. Everyone, you may have seen that one person has said. Hey, Aaron, they had this match in the state. That's fine. You need to keep on sending it to him. Just keep on telling Aaron when this match might have happened. Oh, wait. Well, I guess we kind of addressed this, but we did have a tweet earlier today of somebody wanting us to address. Having Jericho in that first segment with the NBA oh, yeah. fans. I guess we talked about yeah. that. Didn't the, we? The, so. Yeah. NBA fans, the younger demographic. Yeah. Um, yeah. We talked about it. Oh, it. Uh, well, first of all, yeah, I just wanted to make sure we talked about that since someone specifically asked us to, uh, but I think we covered it. Uh, but Kenta and Matt Seidel had a match uh, at Ring of Honor's The Bitter End in Philly in November 2006. Hmm. See, now everyone go tweet at Aaron that they had it in November 2006. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it happened. Okay. I was just trying to do some... Um, 
house housekeeping some constituent services there um we got a we got it on the jumping bomb audio twitter account we got a tweet that says this is someone who follows us they tweeted <laughs> at j bomb audio podcast is like throwing literal shit at a wall with rng aim and trying to predict where it's gonna hit do you know what rng aim would mean no I'm, i was hoping so it's random number generator okay this person follows us. Why? I mean, this sounds mean. This sounds really mean. And it's like our last episode was just like, um, you know, bet we were just doing awards from the year, you know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, what are they so mad about? Anybody that tags anybody in a tweet is a fucking lunatic. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. <laughs> like, <laughs> shut <Sure>. the fuck up. <laughs> Like Excalibur tagged Giannis about missing his free throws. That was insane. Before. Like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> did you see your own mentions whenever you fuck up or whatever, and people yelling at you or like, "Hey, remember when you were racist a couple years ago?" Like, yeah. you would think you'd like be like, "Okay, maybe I don't tag this guy about missing his free throws." I think if I were Excalibur and like all the shit that is out about Excalibur was out there, I would probably never criticize anyone publicly ever. <laughs> insane. Just set my Twitter up to just auto retweet what the PR team wants me to retweet. So, I, if I were friends with Giannis, I would just be like, "Hey, Giannis, tweet these videos at Scalper. <laughs> <laughs> just body him. Tweet out to all your followers. Like, look at this motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be this, sick. This you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that'd be perfect. All right. Well, uh, I think that's it for the show. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji. Hey, yeah. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Please give us a five-star rating and review if you use the Apple Podcast app. And uh, support the show this holiday season over at patreon.com slash everything elite. This is this the last show of the year? Or is will the next one, I guess, technically be on New Year's Eve? Are we gonna record on New Year's Eve? What, what the fuck uh, we get well, to do? I'm not going out. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely not going out. Okay. It's not uh, the last show of the year, but anyway, thanks everybody. But if we record it on the last day of the year, then you might not get it until next year. So right. this probably is the last show of the year. So thanks everyone uh, for listening this year. We appreciate it. I know uh, the year has been shitty, but I hope everybody has. Uh, if you're celebrating Christmas, hope you have a nice one. Uh, I think Hanukkah's over now, right? Is Hanukkah over? Yeah, Hanukkah's over. Yeah. Oh, hope you had a nice Hanukkah, uh, Kwanzaa, all the all the many varied uh, holiday celebrations. Uh, and thanks for spending what an hour and forty six minutes so far with us. An hour thirty. I started the the stream before okay. y'all got on. Thanks yeah. for spending ninety minutes with us. Uh, well, if if we keep talking, it'll get longer, Aaron, and then you'll be proven correct. So I don't know. <laughs> I know it's important to you to to be proven correct over Mike. Yes, that is important to me. And just wait, because I have receipts. Oh, what a tease. I, I, I mean, I have brain damage, so come on. <laughs> come on. All right. Okay, uh, thanks, everyone. For Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week.